Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. For those interested in additional resources or services, such as the weekly planners, online planners for Chrome or Outlook, keynotes, live training, coaching, or certification, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. Now, when you listen to an episode that resonates with you, we invite you to share it with your family, friends, and team members so that they can experience the same type of motivation and results in their lives. Also, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. It works on Apple, Stitcher, Google, or whatever platform you're using so that you can get a new podcast reminder each week. Now sit back, let's get started, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have a terrific guest with us today. He serves as a distinguished faculty for IMS and has taught graduate and undergraduate courses at colleges and universities. He earned a PhD in counseling at the University of Arizona a master's in the School of Psychology from St. Lawrence University, and a bachelor's in psychology from Case Western Reserve. Welcome, Dr. Rick Brandon. Thank you so much, Steve. It's good to be in your world. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. And I look at all that training you've had. Yeah, yeah. Piled higher and deeper, the PhD. <laughs> PhD, right? <laughs> Woohoo! But it made a difference. I learned I learned a lot and met a lot of great people. Yeah. And not only that, you've been out practicing. And uh, when you take that theoretical academic together with the practical application, you learn to get to a whole nother level. And so I'm so excited to have you with us today. Bingo. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it wasn't about the books. It was I always say it cured me of reading ever again. But I really what I really cherished about it was the relationships I made at a personal level, but also the practical experience, because it was all about wasn't just about thesis and dissertations. It was about doing the work, working with clients, doing communication skills, seminars, running groups, et cetera. And that's that's my Jones. That's what I, I get addicted to working with people. So uh, it was great. Yeah, that's great. And it's also the payday, isn't it? It's the payday in that the real satisfaction from what you do is seeing people get to a better yeah. place in life. Yeah, I like to say, I, you know, some of my work was counseling, so it was really being a psychotherapist, but I learned really quickly that wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a shrink, you know, putting people in boxes and labeling like a lot of psychologists uh, do. I said people would say, oh, you're one of those shrinks. I, no, I'm a stretch. I like to stretch, <laughs> stretch people's boundaries. So it was always about teaching communication and teaching some of the people skills that you talk about. That's one of the factors of being your best. And of course, it's my jam. As, they, as the young folks say, my jam. So uh, that's what I love. Well, that's great. I'll tell you uh, to our listeners just a little bit more about Rick before we get going. Then we've got so much to cover. So I'm excited to get into this. Rick is the founder and president of the internationally respected training firm, Brandon Partners. He has developed 30 plus years to designing and delivering leadership and professional development workshops on influence skills. So this would be interpersonal savvy, 
political and organizational savvy, high impact presentation skills, selling skills, self-talk, and self-accountability. And he has taught scores of Fortune 500 companies and others. He is so terrific in this area and really focuses on how to improve results and work relationships by increasing the candor, clarity, and impact of their communication. So, Rick, if you don't mind to get going, do you mind uh, just sharing with us about your background and, and especially including any turning points that help you get to where you are today? I've been into this communication game since literally since before I was born because I'm an identical twin. So I like to say, and I and I, I joke about it, but I'm actually serious too, that at a, in a sense, at a cellular level, I was into connection before I was born. And then growing up, I grew up in what I would call a pathologically functional family because, but my family was really close, tight-knit. It was always about connection, not just as a twin, but my folks, my older brother, my younger sister. And I would watch my dad communicate with his 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 customers. He, he uh, owned a furniture store and he was incredible about how he would connect through humor and through understanding them, understanding their needs and really having personal relationships. And then he was also the MC of a lot of social events, which I started doing uh, and loved doing. So it was about communication, being in front of groups and watching a master at it. And that's what got me into wanting to pursue that in my, my schooling. And I already told you what the turning point was, was real realizing that I didn't want to sit in a room and deal with people's problems all day. I care, but it was, I needed to be in front of people. Uh, I like to call it my erogenous zone is, is being in front of groups, helping them grow. So while I was doing therapy, I don't do therapy now, but I consider it therapeutic and I get turned on by watching people grow. So that's what I've been into. The turning point where some of my mentors in, in school, various professors, you wouldn't know their names, but they were, they made a big impact on, on me being into this area. So that's a little bit about me. I love it. And thanks for sharing some of that background and about mentors and professors and the insights that you've had and the turning point of going from this discipline to maybe something that you feel much more passionate about. And I know our listeners, they have those experiences as they go through their lives and they go through their careers. You start getting really good at something that allows you to see more. And as you continue to develop those skills, you get better and better. And that's the heart of becoming your best is you're just always bringing out the best within yourself and others. And that's pretty awesome. Amen. You and I are similar birds. We're into expanding our own potential and then inviting others to take a look within and without uh, externally to how do they expand their boundaries? How do they push the boundaries and continually improve? Because if we ain't improving, we're dying. If we're not getting better, we're withering. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Well, Rick wrote a terrific book. It's entitled Straight Talk, Influence Skills for Collaboration and Commitment. So do you mind telling us about the book? Why did you write it? And what are some of the main points there that are helpful for our listeners? Sure. Sure. Well, I've been into the communication game, so I wrote it because that's been my passion. But also, I, and I've been doing this for 30, 40 years, as you said, but why now? Why now? We Two reasons. One is we've been doing the workshop around the world globally, as you said, and I wanted to really put the workshop in a book. That's the branding of the book. It's my workshop 
in a book. It's teaching the straight talk skills. And for people who can't attend a seminar with my firm, Brandon Partners. So how could I disseminate this information generously, I like to think, and universally? So that was why. And why now? We were right in the middle of COVID. So it was a way to keep me busy, for one thing, my wife said. But also, my belief was the remote work and even now hybrid work, what 53% of companies are at least hybrid, if not remote still, there's a tremendous sense of separation, alienation, depersonalization, a lack of connectedness and loneliness. So I would talk to friends about this, talk to my clients about it, read about it in Noreen Hertz's book. It's called The Lonely Century. She found that one in five adults are lonely, and that's exacerbated during remote work and the the push towards uh, being disconnected. So I figured all the more important people skills were always important, but especially now. So that's a key theme of the book. Each chapter talks about virtual variations of, of the skills we teach. And those skills, the main point are is it's list, active listening, straight talk, which is objective language as we speak and assertive speaking rather than being passive or aggressive, funneling those core skills and what I call the straight talk mindset, being in a place where I care about the business impact of positive communication and that I hold myself accountable for being assertive, direct and respectful rather than passive and wimpy or aggressive and harsh. So it's the straight talk mindset, getting my head and heart in the right place active listening, straight talk. And then what the book does is it funnels it into those core skills, into smooth sailing conversations at work and home and rough sailing. The smooth sailing are getting clear commitments and agreements with people, giving them positive recognition when they do keep their agreements and other things I appreciate. And the third smooth sailing skill set that is the point of the book is advising and guiding people. How do we help people when they come to us with a decision? They're wrestling with a problem. You know, Muhammad Ali said service is the rent we pay for our time here on earth. So those are the smooth sailing, rough sailing. How do we remind people when they drop the ball on a commitment? How do we challenge ideas or say no? And finally, how do we constructively confront people? So so that's the bottom line, uh, those skills and those applications. And we're saying... uh, That's really tough. People call them soft skills. They're not soft skills. They're hard skills for hard results. Yeah. And in our experience, because as uh, Rick and I had the opportunity to visit uh, a bit before we started this podcast and had a fun time, we talked about the 12 principles of highly successful leaders and how one of them is to be an effective communicator. And on the surface, sometimes we hear quite a bit about it. But like you said, these are. These are hard skills that have a very significant impact in every phase of our life, and especially having close relationships and building high trust and in contributing to high performance individually and for teams. Because if you get this right, it makes it a lot more efficient and effective. But if you break it, if it can't get these skills down, it is going to be tough sailing in your vernacular. Yeah, that gets to the theme of the, one of the themes of the book was they're not soft skills. It's not, oh, no, I'm going to charm school, all this touchy feely stuff. And I'm saying cow cookies. That's not true. It's hard skills and it gives bottom line advantages, a competitive advantage to you as to your listeners as individuals 
and also to companies that have high performing people when it comes to their people skills, those listening, speaking, agreement skills, conflict. Why? If you think about faulty communication, it costs in the billions. One faulty listening mistake and you multiply it times people's salaries. So it causes mistakes, loss, cost in the billions, but also if it's toxic communication, why do people quit and leave? Number one reason, according to Gallup, it's either recognition or quote my manager. And that that issue, if you think about people's complaints about work, you know, your listeners know in their personal lives and friends, it's usually complaining about the boss. And it's the communication. So they quit and leave. They go to the next company where the communication is down the tubes or worse, they quit and stay. And it affects their morale, their indignance, their upset, their motivation while they're, and their results while they're spending time whining about it at the water cooler or in the chat room in, in a Zoom meeting. So it's about it's about retention. It's about results because it's about getting clear agreements and holding others accountable in a fair but firm way to those commitments. And it's about innovation. Innovation atrophies when people feel like their ideas won't be respected, listened to, heard, even if they're not implemented. Can I feel heard or do I feel stifled? And so it's all about that and engagement. So you hear me getting passionate and uh, going, I don't want to monologue here because that's what the book's about is shutting up and checking the other person's reaction. So how's my clarity? Is this making sense? Steve? Yeah, it is. So let's spend just a couple of minutes on the uh active listening, but then I'd really like to move quickly to the straight talk and the dynamics, because I do think that's hard for people sometimes. Uh, You know, the active listening, we all know, every one of us, all of our listeners, that sometimes they catch themselves talking when the other person is talking. They're talking over them, so they're clearly not listening, and that is such a big deal is to take the time to thank when they have something to express, to actively cue in on these people and to look at them and to look at all the cues that they're giving, the body language, the tone and all that, and then thank them for the courage to share. And then, you know, let me be sure I've got it. So that is a big habit. Is there anything else you want to add to that one to be sure that we're getting it right? You bet. So you said, I need to shut up and and be silent and cure them. And not just hear them, but prove to them that I've heard them and understand them and honor and accept what they're saying. I don't agree with it necessarily, but I can still show acceptance by paraphrasing. It's that active listening stuff we all hear about, but we don't always do it because we're not, we're busy reacting mentally. We might be able to say the words, I understand, I understand. Can we prove to the person by paraphrasing? Sounds like you're really upset and you feel like I dropped the ball when I X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And can I do that without rehearsing what I'm going to say? I want to really absorb rather than react. And then the other mistake people make is they'll paraphrase, but they'll do it at a content level, not at a feeling level. So can I zoom in on, as you said, really get what they're about at that moment and and paraphrase the feelings with empathy and paraphrase the right feeling 
If the person is livid with you, you don't want to say, oh, you seem a little perturbed. And if the person's a little unsure of what they're going to do between two candidates, you don't want to. You're, you're, so you're paralyzed by this decision here, Steve. No, come on, back off, Freud. So, so it's the right amount of emotion and to really do that in a way that doesn't sound fake and phony. And that's one of the other big mistakes is people will use these active listening. So what I hear you saying or sounds like you're saying, but they'll do the same one. Sounds like you're saying, sounds like you're saying, sounds like you're saying, and people feel tech. Neat. So can you mix it up and, and, and just come across as letting the person know that I hear you, you're upset. You don't have to use those lead in uh, phrases uh, that I just mentioned. Yeah, that's a great overview of that. And such a big rock in communication. Yeah, yeah. Like if we don't get this one right. It's really hard to communicate. Yeah. So so much so that, in fact, when I say straight talk, I don't mean just talking. Straight talk for me is the umbrella for positive, assertive communication. So it includes speaking assertively, which we'll talk about, objective language, and it also includes the active listening. So it's a dialogue, not a monologue. And if I do that, I prevent what I call the dualogue. We're, we're in conflict. Okay, good. And I can just say, and I know every one of our listeners can relate to this, but when I get it right, I know I got it right because it comes from my heart. It's genuine. I really want to get it. But if I blow it, if I don't take the time to listen, I usually have to pay the price. And it's not fun. And I feel bad myself if I blow it. It's something we all work on and have to double check and be sure that we're doing both the hard and soft part, the, the we're using the skills, but it comes from our heart. It's genuine. And then you get the yeah, real fruits, yeah. the benefits, right? Yeah, it's a behavior and it's also an attitude and a spirit. And then you know, Carl Rogers, one of the forefathers of, of listening, and he said positive regard empathy and respect. Those are that therapeutic attitudes. And we want to be therapeutic with each other and connect in a way that helps them and helps ourselves. So the behaviors are active listening and objective language and genuine uh, genuineness uh, and positive feedback. But the, uh, those are behaviors. If, if the spirit isn't there, the heart, like you're saying, then it comes across as fake and incongruent and we feel disconnected from the other person and from ourselves. Right. Okay. Well, let's shift to the straight talk part. I'm so interested in that. And I, I'm sure our listeners are too. Uh, what do you have to say about that? How do you, you know, share something that's on your mind? Or for me, that's sometimes hard as I've got something inside. I don't want to hurt the other person's feelings, but they, you know, we need to talk about it. And yeah, it doesn't right. have to be bad. It can be good, but we just, how do you approach that? And how do you recommend we're most effective in communication this way. Well, well, the first thing is to realize there's a difference between honesty and idiocy. People use the phrase, well, just saying, just saying. Well, you might have been just saying and in a way they bruise the other. So I like to use the analogy of the old movie, The Right Stuff, and the book, The Right Stuff, about the Mercury astronauts. You know, they, they had the right stuff, the qualities, and the qualities of positive, appropriate communication, appropriate straight talk are the right time. Is a person ready to hear it, or am I, are they not ready to hear it? Something awful went on in their lives. Right place, or is, is it distraction-free, and is it private? The right place, the right time, the right reasons. So am I doing it just to hear myself talk or to, to prove something or for the right reasons to really be of service to that person? The right risk level. 
sometimes not saying everything on my mind isn't the same as lying. So I want to be aware of the ego, ego trippers. Is it politically okay, the power dynamics? So that's important. That doesn't mean to dummy up, but I need to be careful about how and when and with whom it's safe to speak truth to power with. And finally, right time, right place, right risk level, right reasons, and in the right way. And that's about being assertive rather than passive and wimpy. Is it, is it okay, Steve? Uh, I don't want to, you know, I can come back another time. Uh, uh, sorry, you, oh, did, oh, uh, sorry, I got red on your carpet. Did you really mean to drop the ax on my foot? No, and yet not harsh either. So the, the, the language we talk about is behavioral language, objective language, or bias-free language. So I'm, I'm not saying I really need you to be more professional. Well, you might not know what that means. I like to ask, what would a camera see that makes you be professional or be a team player? You're not a team player. You think you are because you participate in the meeting. I have a different picture in my mind of what I want from you. So the, the message is to be behavioral. I need you to share more information with the new salespeople, Steve, about your customers and their customers who you work with so that they can be more successful. Now you know what I mean by team player. So appropriate honesty and being behave, using behavioral language and then checking and listening to their reactions. That's a, that's a book in a nutshell. Woohoo! Wow. <laughs> I love it. Those are good tips. So how can you really do this in a way that you do ex- have express candor, you're honest with people, and you're clear so that and it's done in a way that they receive it right. So I love these. Are there five points? Right time, right place, right risk, right reason? Right risk level. Okay. Risk level and the right way. I may have left one out, but that's pretty close. So how do you do this in a nice, clear way that's clear? How do you communicate clearly? Well, besides the behavioral language, I want to do it with a format that we call the GAIN, G-A-I-N, GAIN commitment, GAIN agreement. And so the G stands for goals. If 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 I'm giving you feedback, I simply give you the feedback in a behavioral way. Let's say I wanted to correct something. Here's what I saw you do in a way that the camera could see it. So I saw you uh, be abusive to the customer. No, that doesn't do it. It might be accurate, but you're going to get defensive and or not know what I mean. So if I'm giving you feedback, I'm going to say what a camera would see. I saw you curse at her using uh, certain words. And also I saw your voice raise and you interrupted her. Then what is the impact? Here's what you did. The camera would see. Here was the actual or potential impact. The customer left the meeting and called me and told me that she didn't want to do business with us anymore. So behavior, impact. Sometimes I'll share my feeling in the middle. So behavior, feeling, impact. That's for feedback. If I want to get an agreement with you, it's G-A-I-N. I tell you my goal, what I want in a behavior and a results that a camera would see. A, I tell you the advantage of doing this, how it's going to help me, the team, you, the company, the customer. I, here's what people leave out where the listening comes in. I tell you my goal and the advantages of doing what I'm asking you to do, Steve. And then I say, what could stand in the way? What's an impediment? Are there any concerns? So G-A-I stands for impediment. Inquire about why they don't want to do it or what concerns them. 
And then the end is, and is the next steps. I ask you, not me, to summarize. So what's your understanding of our agreement here of how, how we're going to move forward? G-A-I-N. And if I can do that in a way that is using objective language, and I can check your reaction along the way and use active listening to hear your concerns and the impediments, I'm more likely to get commitment rather than compliance. Command and control, just do it because I said so. So those are a few tips about straight talk when I want to get an agreement and when I'm giving feedback, that behavior feeling impact message. Okay, that's good. Yeah, two different uh, situations. The N stands for you have goals, uh, the advantage, the impediment. What's the N? Next steps. I oh, ask you, step. so as we move forward with next steps and you take action, what's your, could you summarize for me? Sometimes, Steve, I'm a, uh, uh, you can tell I'm a little talkative and I want to make sure that uh, we didn't lose the forest through the trees. What's your understanding of what I'm asking you to do? And then as you summarize, if you're off a little, I'll correct it. And finally, in the next steps, I say, so if, if there are next steps and I've agreed to support you in a certain way or certain action steps uh, and support came up that we needed to do to make sure I, uh, you're going to deliver on time and that I help you remove any impediments or obstacles, then that's where this comes up to. G-A-I-N, nice acronym that helps folks remember. Yeah, I like that. That's terrific. Rick, what are some of the common mistakes with implementing world-class listening skills that you've seen? It goes back to the ones that we mentioned. People don't really listen. They rarely listen long enough, well enough or long enough to get to the real problem when they're advising or guiding someone. They don't use the active listening. They only half listen. They're mental vacations. They're, they're reacting inside instead of absorbing. And they come in too soon. And they usually come in with what I call a short circuit response. They listen for a half a second for 30 seconds. And then they come in with their advice, their solutions. And they say, well, I'm a manager. I was paid to live, you know, I'm paid to solve problems. But we rarely listen well enough or long enough to unpeel the onion skin layers or the artichoke leaves I talk about to get to the heart of the problem. So we come in too soon with our premature advice and it might not even be the real issue and the person might not be ready because they're still churning. I call it the clogged pipes. The pipes and the emotion is clogged up. They're not ready to solve the problem yet because the, the pipes are clogged with emotion. So good listening is like interpersonal Drano, Steve. It, it unclogs the pipes and then I can come in with a solution. But the, the audacity, you've lived with this problem for 30 days 30 months, whatever it is, and I come in after 30 seconds, who do I think I am? It's presumptuous. So that's the main mistake, coming in too soon with advice, solutions, or worse, criticism, or even moralizing. Well, it should, you, know, you should realize if you really cared about the company, here's what you would do. So how do we come in? And the book talks about short, eight short circuit responses that when we do react prematurely, what are the ways we do that with some playing superior or playing boss or giving advice, which is misguided help if it's too soon or just not wanting to deal with it, wanting to change the topic because we're uncomfortable with your hurt emotion or you being in pain. Yeah, two questions have come to mind. What do you do if someone just doesn't want to talk? You bribe them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for whatever reason, they don't want to talk about it. They say, oh, it's just not the right time, or I don't want to talk about it. Well, usually they'll first be silent. If they're silent and you've asked them a question or you've given them feedback, 
silence is golden, but it's not if they're on the receiving end of it. If they, so it depends on the situation, Steve. If they're silent and I've asked them how their day is going or there isn't a strong need for them to talk, then I want to make sure and keep myself honest that I'm not being a bully and pressuring them. Who the hell am I to say, you have to talk to me, you have to tell me. Now, if it's an accountability issue, then they do. I'm holding them accountable. That's where I might give them feedback or they broke an agreement and I confront them constructively and they're silent. I just wait that one out because they're feeling the heat more than me. So Steve, when you agreed that you would get to the meetings on time, and didn't like happened today and last week and we talked about it i get i get frustrated with you because the impact is the the team misses out on your input uh, and your briefing so what are we going to do now if you're silent then i'm going to wait it out if you're still silent i will paraphrase not your words because there weren't any paraphrase your body language you said it before i read the body language steve you look uncomfortable and unsure how to respond usually someone will say yeah or if it's still silent, it's a different kind of not talking. Then I will say, Steve, I've, I've asked you, I, I really want to know, I want to make this safe for you. Um, I'm not trying to criticize you. I'm trying to work together. Now, if you're still silent, then I may confront and just say, Steve, I get the sense that you're silent is saying, up yours, Rick. You are really angry with me. You are ticked off that I'm bringing this, calling you to the car. Usually someone will say, you're darn right I am. You, Who are you? You're not my boss, et cetera. So what have I said? Someone doesn't talk, give them the permission not to unless I'm holding them accountable to something they should have done. Then just wait out the silence, paraphrase their body language, par- invite them to talk, let them reassure them you're not hurt, trying to hurt them. You just want to talk man to man, person to person. That doesn't work. Paraphrase their anger. Reflect that anger they're feeling. Do you buy that or would you, what would you add? No, good. Uh, yeah. So that's great. And all professional, I think it's spot on. You're just doing your best. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not perfect. We're doing our best and you're kind and you're considerate and you're giving them an opportunity. Uh, let's switch the playing field a moment. How about for a partner or a family member? Well, what's the specific situation there? Yeah, let's you're, saying- say you're dealing with an emotional issue. And they're just saying, you know, I, I just can't talk about this. So it's a silent issue, too. Well, if they if they are my family mon- member, you know, I can only control my half of the relationship. And so I want to do my best to to create a safe space. And I and hopefully before this, I've earned the right to ask them to speak. But when they do speak, I don't use those mis- listening mistakes and cutting them off. So, or criticizing or judging what they're saying or moralizing. Now, sweetie, you should realize, you know, good boys and girls, it's X, Y, Z. You're not going to want to open up. Can I censor my speaking from my own frame of reference and earn a history, have a history and a track record with you? And especially if you're my kid, that I hear you instead of uh, come in with my own point of view. Then if you're silent, I'm, I'm going to believe that you at least trust that if you do speak, that, that it's okay. So I'm going to just invite you, sweetie. I can see you're upset and you don't feel like talking now. When you're ready, daddy's here. And I really want hope that you'll come and talk to me because usually when we do, we feel better. And then, I, then I, and I love you. And then I walk away. Usually they'll come back. So that's a big piece of it. And then to ask open questions. You look upset, Jonathan. Please tell me what, what's going on, because this isn't like you. You usually 
want to share what happened at school. It looks like maybe you're upset about something. What's up, honey? And so just a gentle, lower my voice, ask. And if they're still not ready, I give them space. I give them, I would hope that I would give them space because otherwise I'm usurping their space and their energy with my own need for them to talk at that moment. Yeah, great advice, Rick. That's great advice. And of course, they have to have, you know, there has to be a real solid trust that they can feel safe and secure and it's going to be okay. And, and you're right. Sometimes they just need time and, and sometimes it takes a while. Yeah. And sometimes the parent has a track record of lecturing, of advising, of all those things that come from being so omnipotently superior in our intellect and our wisdom. Well, we might be confusing our kids with someone that gives a darn <laughs> so at that moment. And so how can we show respect? It's by asking questions and hearing from them and not being just holding ourselves accountable. It goes back to accountability and keeping ourselves honest. That's great. Rick, I got a question for you. So how does somebody develop the habits of doing what you're talking about today? Well, yeah, because I don't think it comes natural. A lot of people, oh, that guy's a porn listener. That guy's a porn listener. And I say cow cookies. to <laughs> They learned it somehow, either through modeling of someone positive, like I learned about people skills and communication from my dad, as I mentioned at the start of our this enjoyable talk. They learned it. And I don't think it comes naturally. So it does take teaching, whether it's a book, whether it's coaching, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a course uh, called Straight Talk, Influence Skills for Collaboration and Commitment, or the book, Operators Are Standing on Call. It doesn't come naturally. And we might think we're effective listeners or speakers. That doesn't mean we are, because we all have blind spots, which is one of the beauties of your 12 principles, because people may think they're okay. They might not even be aware of the behaviors, and they might not know that they're not using certain other behaviors they're aware of. So it takes feedback. And it takes practice, practice, practice to just hear about the skill isn't enough. That's why the book, by the way, has an exercise journal they can download on the website and it's got fillable PDF um, or to do it with a friend and to give each other feedback. And there are plenty of examples and and um, scenarios, uh, practice scenarios. So I think it takes awareness first. Awareness is the first step to responsible behavior change. Then it takes input and understanding and learning about the skill with feedback. And then it takes practice, practice and reinforcement. It's, it ain't over. You and I have been at this thing a long time. Uh, and I know that we, we talked about this. It takes ongoing accountability and work on this. Yeah, it does. Great. What a what a visit today. Oh, my goodness. It has gone, whew, gone so fast. And, and any final tips uh, for our listeners before we wrap up? And then love to have you tell our listeners how they can find out about you. So it did go fast. So our first five minutes are done. What are we going to do in the next 25, Steve? <laughs> so it did go. It did go quickly. Final thought is listen, listen, listen. Strengths. Be a strength finder, not a fault finder with yourself. If you blow it, don't have a guilt trip. Like you say, we're well, going to make mistakes. My mom was a travel agent for guilt trips, so I'm not into it. Congratulate yourself. Say, need that I'm a professional and I'm constantly growing and I have the courage to be imperfect and continue to go for it. You can learn more about the book and my firm, Brandon Partners, at brandonpartners.com. That's my last name, B-R-A-N-D-O-N. Brandonpartners.com slash straight talk book. 
Of course, brandonpartners.com will show you about the book and the workshop. But if you really want to deep dive in and get some free gifts, your listeners can get a free assessment and some other gifts to help them reinforce their reinforcement tools. Whether or not you read the book, please feel free. Brandonpartners.com slash straight talk. Steve, I thoroughly enjoyed working with you. We're similar, passionately uh, into this stuff. So uh, hope you enjoyed it. I sure did. Oh, it's been great. And what a valuable visit. Uh, thank you, Rick, for being with us today. It's been a delight. I'm excited to re- read your book personally. Can't wait. A lot of tips that you've talked about. And uh, we wish you all the best in the work that you're doing. Thank you. All the best to you, yours, and your listeners, of course. Okay, well, good. Well, it's been so g- wonderful having our listeners here with us today. I mean, we take our hats off to you. Uh, the very fact that you tune in to this podcast and perhaps others uh, says so much about you, about your desire to want to become your best, to improve your life, to be happier, more fulfilled, and to bless others. So it's been great having you with us today, and we wish you all the best today and always. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful for a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, we invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now, for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly peak performance coaching program or how to get certified as a trainer or coach or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.